0: Jump runs. He's in the 10 15. He's in the 20 25 30 35 40 45 50. There goes Jump. He's in the 30. 20
1: 10 5. Touchdown. Jump a hub
0: Third down and 10. Pick it back. Here comes the rush. They've got him sack number one.
1: Hassan Redick, for five and a half of the season. Wow.
0: Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking. Right side. He wants it come a comeback, touchdown! It is caught by Kelsey! Touchdown, Kansas City! One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League! What's up, everybody? Welcome back into Canton Bound, episode 22. I just love how those numbers work out. 2-2, the double deuce, and as I'll... As always, I'm joined by my buddy, my good partner, Adam,
1: just freshly back from New York City, the Big Apple. How was your trip, man? Back from the Big Apple. It it was a blast. Um, Had a great time. I I don't think, you know, going to visit actually is a lot of fun. Um, Like, I don't don't know how sometimes people live in that environment. It's like, it's just chaos and go, go, go all the time. I personally love it. I just don't know about living in it yet, but it was a blast. Um, Got some content in and. 22, Mike? The double deuce? That's... Double deuce? Hard to believe, man. Hard to believe. They just keep coming week after week, right? <laughs> it's weird, too, that it's the double deuce. You
0: just said it that way, right? Like, it mm-hmm. just came out. Because I just saw a trailer for the remake of Roadhouse.
1: Oh, yeah? Oh, wow. Yes.
0: Jake I... Gyllenhaal will be will be uh, starring <laughs> Bro, <I didn't> even <laughs> as know Dalton. That. I didn't even know that was a thing. Let's go. Roadhouse. Roadhouse is such a good movie that I also think about the... Uh, the old Rod White joke for back in the blue-collar comedy tour days, you know, the kind of bouncers who just think about bouncing.
1: <laughs> they, they just think about yep. <laughs> go home and watch Roadhouse and beat off. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Here, it's here a it, deuce. Here it is, man. 2024 film. Let's go. Uh comes so, out in March. I'm gonna have to check that out. Dude, Roadhouse brings up a lot of memories yeah, of the childhood. A, that is, I was just gonna say that. It's like it's kind of like going on the time machine, just even thinking about it, you know.
0: A little bit, a little bit. Well, it is uh, it is prospect season. And I think we could say it's officially prospect season. It always feels like Senior Bowl week. And that's what this is right now. Kind of kicks that off. Inaugural. You know, I'm on uh, I'm on the old X app today, just looking at it, like heights and weights and hand size and <laughs> arm length measurement and all this stuff. Like we have this fervor for it. But here's one of the things that's kind of come up in the last couple of days, especially over on our Patreon and our Discord. Uh, you know, we had some long threads, uh, I wasn't a part of them. <laughs> But i'm just uh sitting back and watching the conversations between patrons uh stats stats and we could throw out stats for everything adam but i really wanted to go through and just you and i have a discussion of like what we're looking for in stats right because just right offhand, when i was looking at it like people are throwing out some stats and i'm like that one doesn't matter to me <laughs> don't care <laughs> Uh, I take zero stock in that stat. ooh, that's a good one though. I really enjoy if uh you know x player has this stat at this position like that's one that I pay attention to. so yeah. I thought this would be a good one, especially for for people who just get constantly bombarded day and night with like, here, look at all these stats. well, which ones like really matter to you and we're not experts, but uh no. you know we do have our favorites, our go to's
1: yes, yeah, and I mean you know Saturday was basically like a marathon of content with uh myself and two other guys, we were basically just doing collaboration type podcasts like this with different strategy type things. And as you, when you, when your brain's like creative going in that type of a cycle, I, I remember multiple times thinking like about this specific topic. So I'm glad we're doing this. And, and I think I'll say this, some of this, what, what we decide or don't decide that is important, that'll be subjective to us. Right. So understand that. But I really believe though, that there are certain stats that are important for the NFL and certain stats that are important for fantasy and some stuff. There's like a basically overlap, right? If you imagine like three bubbles and you had the inner in between of the two where these are both relevant, but there are certain times which just because it's good for NFL football success does not mean that that stat means a damn for fantasy football. And, I, I think actually kind of discussing and understanding those things or having at least that thought is very helpful when you're starting to look at really a being bombarded with numbers. There's so much statistics out there that you can consume what matters and what doesn't.
0: I think uh, let's start with the quarterbacks, because not only do do fantasy managers, dynasty managers... Uh, Just about everybody. I mean, the NFL, for Christ's sakes, they struggle with evaluating quarterbacks. So what makes a good NFL quarterback? What makes a flop? Like, how do you avoid them? Mm -hmm. But there are like a few stats that stand out to me that I really pay attention to. One of them, shout out uh, old school Jordan Backus hooked me up to with the, uh, the college QBR. Not to be confused with quarterback rating, which uh, you and I have had discussions on live streams (laughs) about quarterback rating. Uh, Just in our opinion, especially my opinion, that's an old antiquated worthless stat. I don't really care about quarterback rating. QBR, on the other hand, is a more, uh, let's say, objective and subjective look at a quarterback and actually how they performed game situation, similar to kind of like a PFF grade. Um, You know, people are actually breaking down every play you know what the scenario was but right. jordan backus did hook us up with the fact that qbr is probably one of the most sticky at least it has been in the past um for predicting future nfl success for quarterbacks so that's one like right off the top of my head i do pay attention to qbr grades for college especially with those guys coming in right yeah. if you have a terrible qbr in college i'm start to question you just a little bit right?
1: yeah and i mean it's it's literally like uh one thing I didn't know about it uh, a while back when I first was really understanding the differences between the two, right? The quarterback rate rating and, uh, the college QBR. It's basically like, think of it. It's actually like a pr- proprietary stat that essentially gives you, it tries to encompass and put the entire body of work into a number really. And, um, when you start to look at it and what it means and kind of to your point, like correlation to predictiveness, um, they're, at qu- quarterbacks already when we're starting off here everyone listening this is the toughest one in my opinion of all of them right like it's a yeah the nfl is still chasing what the heck actually matters and what doesn't and you can have some guys that check a lot of these boxes that don't hit so it's hard but this one i think is one of the best ones especially going from the college to the pro level Um, when you look at it and if you look at certain things you may not see any type of correlation but the QBR college stat is, is a very good one. I, I paid a lot of attention to it for these guys coming out when they start getting draft capital buzz and stuff.
0: Yeah. If, if just in a nutshell too, with QBR, uh, we can use this, uh, the lions 49ers game, right? Um, If you just look at traditional quarterback rating, Brock Purdy wouldn't get any credit or wouldn't get graded favorably for for all the scramble plays that he made, right? And you and I watching the game, we could tell those were massive. Those were like backbreakers for the defense, right? You get them in third down, and all of a sudden Brock Purdy takes off and runs for 15, 16 yards. Gets first down, keeps the sticks moving. Right. That's a big play, okay? And traditional quarterback rating just goes down as like your traditional counting stats. It doesn't affect quarterback rating at all. He ran the football. Nobody cares. QBR, on the other hand, he gets graded for that. That's a quarterback play that he made, so he'd be graded favorably. In the same sense, also in that game, we can use Brock Purdy as the same example. When he throws the ball 50 yards downfield and bounces it off the defender's face mask, (laughs) which should have been a pick, and it ends up in the arms of Brandon Ayuk. Traditional quarterback rating, it's completion, deep ball, right? He's going to get a favorable quarterback rating for it. QBR, it's looked at like that should have been an interception.
1: Right, and to the point, right? The older way of looking at it is not going to be able to filter out. It's going to give that grade. Essentially, the grade that is that's spit out at the end is not going to understand at all the difference between that throw and someone diming a 50 yard touchdown. That's literally a perfect pass. There's there's no distinction in the metric between the two. Right. Understand that about right. the first one. And it's, it's not weighted either, right? Like,
0: for example, that, that throw was made, I believe that was at the end of the third quarter or, or very, fourth quarter. Very late in the third, yes. Right. Like, we're starting to get to crunch time of the game, like where it matters. If that stuff happens, like in the QBR sense, if that happens in the first quarter, it's, it's weighted less, right? Like, that's the opening moments of the game, you know, not as big of a deal. You start to get down to the fourth quarter, like crunch time, game-winning drive situation, that kind of stuff. Those plays get graded higher. <laughs> Right? And like that's where you see uh, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Patrick Mahomes, right? That's where they make their money. <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I got a, uh, I'm only down by seven. <laughs> this right. is it. You yeah. give me 45 seconds, it's over for you. <laughs> Ball game might as well be tied. <laughs> like, yep. I got this. So uh, that's one I really like to look at. I do enjoy looking at PFF grades um i know some people will dunk on them or whatever but i do enjoy looking at pff grades especially for passing kind of the same thing as qbr but here's some stats them to me like i immediately go to at least for quarterbacks it doesn't matter if it's nfl if it's college whatever uh big time throw percentage if you're using like pff metrics um i believe for fantasy points data suite uh, i don't know exactly what they call theirs so <laughs> I have to look that up but i know on player profiler if that's your choice uh they they term it money throws um but money throws at least on player Pro- profiler for me well i used to really love that stat and i'm not saying they're wrong i really enjoy if you give me a percentage right because just total number of money throws like i don't really understand that right w- what if you played an that threw the ball in college you know 600 times right you're and you, you had a ton of money throws, but the overall percentage of time that you're putting dotting somebody up, as you said, you know, dropping dimes left and right is very low compared to a guy who maybe played in a little bit lower volume offense, but man, the percentage is ridiculously high. Every time this dude dropped back to throw, he's just throwing lasers, piss missiles, as Eric and I like to call them all over the field.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, that that's one of the things, especially in, in the college game, because Frank, frankly Mike uh, uh, and everyone listening a lot of people don't actually watch that much college football um, like even even people that really watch a lot they may not watch the majority of schools ever let alone like a full game of them play and to the point you're saying there the the, the tempo and the way the style of which certain teams play football I mean you got you know old school Georgia Tech style offenses you got big 12 offenses that literally are, they don't want to huddle ever. So there's drastically different amount of plays and snaps and tempos and ways that uh, teams play. I, I think that, um, as, as we keep going here, there's going to be some, some highlights I want to make, but I'll let you keep, let's keep, let's keep clarifying some of this stuff.
0: Uh, the other one on the opposite. Of, oh, I did look it up to Uh fantasy points data suite. Shout out to them. I love their stuff too. They just got ridiculous amounts of data. Um, but there's this called hero, hero percentage hero play percentage so even easier right Mm -hmm. are you hero or zero
1: (laughs) how good were you i I love that hero or zero let's go
0: on the other side of the coin another great metric that i really like to look at is turnover worthy plays. um player profile i think it was interceptable passes um uh fantasy points data suite pff both the same both uh twp TWP percentage for short, so turnover worthy percentage. Again, I don't really want to know the total counting stats because also if you're if you're in an offense like you're throwing six hundred times, there's probably more opportunity for you have a higher counting stat of turnover worthy plays. But what is that overall percentage? How often are you putting it in 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 danger? And actually, I think that's a stat too on uh on player profile that they keep danger plays. Oh. It is hey. yep so those are like the the two opposites but i really like to look at it so for me when i'm judging a quarterback if i go and i look and i'm like man this guy's got a huge big time throw percentage like he ranks towards the top and then you look at turnover worthy plays and you're like well it's actually towards the bottom it takes care of the football but still will go out there and put the ball into a tight window throw the ball deep downfield like make it money throw um that is something that i get pretty excited about Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum if your big time throw percentage is pretty low but your turnover worthy play is pretty high i start to look at you a little bit side-eyed right (laughs) maybe this isn't the quarterback we're really looking for so in the past like some of this has really really come back to uh to be beneficial at least for us in our evaluation you know um not not this year obviously but last year coming off the uh the Urban Meyer rookie year of Trevor Lawrence, one of the big things that stood out to us when we did a, a YouTube short on him and why we wanted to buy him was he had a gigantic big time throw percentage. Right, I think it was number one or two in the league in his rookie year, even though it was horrible, like yeah, fantasy wise, points wise. Right. right. And people are writing him off, and we're like, hey, offense changes a little bit. This kid has shown that he has the ability to you know dot people up left and right. So you know, buy him while he's low. worked out okay for us so those are two that those are two that jump right off the page uh, initially
1: for me adam yeah definitely i i I agree and i think that um I, i think that when you have i would say too many red flags um in a lot of those metrics there needs to be for me anyway there needs to be upside in in the way that you play if i want to take you which is not going to be like even from how you throw the football. Basically, if you have a lot of red flags as a passer and a lot of this QBR type of stuff I, I, and you don't have rushing upside, I'm basically going to really shy away now. Like That's going to become one of the bigger things for me moving forward is if, if I don't really like what I'm seeing, I'm probably not going to invest unless you offer something that can offset some of that for me.
0: I like that. I like that, too. And You touched on one, too, that I I didn't mention right off the bat, though, too, but for us, for Dynasty Fantasy Football, uh, we touched on it last week for the 4D episode, but your scrambles is going to be so important. Um, Yes, there are teams that would design a lot of uh, design runs, but that's kind of—I'm looking for guys who can make plays off schedule and can make plays with their legs because making plays with your legs leads to fantasy points, right? Improvise. We want you to improvise. no matter really how bad, uh, you know, I think Brock Purdy played quarterback at times in the game on Sunday. The one thing you can't deny is I think he had damn near 50 yards rushing, and that was backbreaking. Now, for a fantasy point perspective, that's five points right off the jump. And if you're in a point per carry league, right, like you get another couple points for the for the carries. Okay. If you're in a first down league, point for first down, that you know you added more points to it. Like that is a very
1: high floor that you can have with just 50 yards rushing. It's it, for for somebody that doesn't really run at all. The statue types, it's like they start. It's like starting them off with a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like mean, it's a free one. People don't really think about it that way, but that's how crazy yeah. it is, right? And then you even go to the extreme levels,
0: guys like Josh Allen or uh, Jalen Hurts this past year, or historically in their career. You already start them off with a touchdown, right? Because right. you just assume they're going to get they're a goal gonna, line carry and punch actually one. They're going to run with... one,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then they can add the then they can the rushing yards on top of that, which gives them a different floor, and then obviously uh, alongside a different ceiling. So yeah, agreed. But my point is, I'll I'll still go after some of the quarterbacks that really check a lot of the boxes, and I think are well above average and could be values based on QBR. But when I'm starting to get like that, you know, that anxiety feeling when i'm looking at your qbr um i if i'm gonna draft you or if i'm interested really investing in you uh i think the the rushing uh if if you offer something in the rushing department will be the way that i can feel better about drafting you if you don't check a lot of these boxes or i'm scared about your qbr and a lot of the the money throws and the danger throws and how you play that way and you're not someone that really has a rushing floor that's probably gonna be passed for me dog I, I love it, man.
0: Um, was there anything else for the quarterbacks that kind of stood out to you? You know, like people throw out, and this is something uh, Scott Connor's done a lot of work with, EPA, YPOE. Um, That kind of stuff. I haven't really dove into it, so I leave that for the the more advanced experts. Um, You know, that's kind of something where I'm working on down the road. But the traditional yards per attempt, you know, that kind of stuff I don't really look at. I'll probably look a little bit at ADOT, too. Like, I want to know if you're throwing a shit ton of screens or if you're actually pushing the ball down the field. Um, You know, time till sack you know, time to throw like those are ones that kind of factor in a little bit. But the big ones were the ones I listed off any any other like big ones that stand out to you that you kind of look at for evaluating quarterbacks in the NFL or college.
1: I would say no, because I mean, we, we we already touched on, I think, pretty much everything, at least that I can think of off the top of my head right now. I, I just wanted to put one that isn't necessarily a stat uh, as like a uh, culminating that the. the the stats we're talking about and kind of putting it in an NFL and fantasy perspective. Like I was talking about at the beginning, like using Patrick Mahomes as an example, almost the gold standard, right? If you're a, a, if you were going to build an NFL team, there's undoubtedly everyone's taking Patrick Mahomes. There's not even a discussion, right? Right. (laughs) When the game's on the line and when it's in the playoffs, you give 15 the ball and everybody feels much better having that than whatever the other side offers almost guaranteed. He's proven it so often and in the NFL side, I would absolutely agree. Right. And he's going to make some money throws. He's the most talented passer and he's also poised. He can scratch all that's great. But what do we see this year? Like th- I, this is not discounting Patrick Mahomes for the record, but just because he can do all that late in the game, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's guaranteed to do that week in and week out for your fantasy teams. So it, the point that I'm making there is somebody that does not play very well and you don't feel great about going to win you a football game may actually have a higher weekly floor than someone that's passing the ball at a tremendous rate and would be the best NFL option. So this isn't to even say Patrick Mah- like use just Patrick Mahomes. There's other players, Joe Burrows come to mind. They, they can play very well, right? They're great, great passers and they, they make money throws. They have had NFL success. But that isn't the only thing to think about with fantasy, and it's not the underlying thing. Just because that's the best person in the NFL to go win you a game at the end of the game does not mean that's the best person for you to have to win you fantasy football. It's just I think the way to look at stats is not shouldn't just be based on the NFL lens. And if you go down that road, you'll become way too tunnel-visioned and miss out a lot of other important metrics. Right, right. We do have to remember that fantasy football is a game of a game.
0: Right. So there are going to be differences. What's good for fantasy ain't you know, always good for the NFL. And what's good for the NFL sometimes ain't good for fantasy. So it's just exactly. the way things are. Right? right. Like is Gabe Davis a good NFL wide receiver? Yeah. Blocks, has a big playability down the field. Is it good for a fantasy team? Debatable. I would say no. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's very much of the person's opinion. And weekly, you're gonna have the people that are standing for him really excited because he's coming off of a huge week. And then a lot of those other weeks when he's giving you absolutely nothing, see, we told you so, but the reality is he's very boomer bust. And that's a a good example in the wide receiver position. I just think, I just think it's kind of when we're talking about these stats to kind of form that in your head, right? Like making sure you're not just tunnel vision in that because people right now are very, we're so reactionary today, man. And what's frustrating, it's like, see, Lamar can't win in the NFL. And, I'm not even. I'm not here to debate that. Okay, that's what you're seeing coming off the game yesterday. But even if that narrative was true, I'm not confirming that that's the case. For the record, I still want him on all my fantasy teams because that that dude can play football and the way that he scores points in fantasy, I almost don't even care if if the narrative was true. And I, which I don't believe it is, for the record. But <laughs> that they, they're not. They don't always are. They're not just always parallels. Some sometimes the the fantasy trends and what we should be looking for buck what the nfl really needs to win games and be successful there i think that's probably
0: been my biggest struggle right um at least with quarterbacks like some of them because there's guys that i absolutely fall in love with and then you find out that they're actually not that great for nfl but they've been decent enough for fantasy but you also have to walk that fine line of if they're not that great for the nfl that also means that their job
1: is in jeopardy the job security and yeah. th- that, that part is very, very hard. I mean, for, for me, that was one of the main reasons I was out on Jordan Love. I hadn't seen him play. He couldn't, even after drafting him, they basically like said, we, we're we sorry, Aaron, we want you to stay. So I didn't bake in with all of his, you know, weapons. I, I was very out on him, but then he proved to be a good fantasy asset. I was still worried that he wasn't winning games. And then once he started winning games, look at the seismic rise. And, you know, so I, I guess for, uh, as we transition here, Just because I'm sitting here telling you that doesn't mean I don't miss on it, too. It's very easy to sometimes get tunnel vision to not look at both things. And I think when you really are objective and you try to remove your own player bias from this, you'll have the best results, typically. Love it.
0: Uh, Let's move to the running backs, one that I I like
1: looking at a little bit
0: more. Now, the one caveat I'm going to make with running backs and stats and even the ones that I really put stock into i also look at situation and opportunity right so first the biggest stat for me is going to be opportunity what's your snap share how many carries are you getting right if you're a highly successful in a lot of the metrics that i really care about but you're only playing 20 percent of the snaps 30 percent of the snaps you can't ever unseat the starter the team doesn't trust you enough to give you the ball more than that i start to question whether you're going to be viable for fantasy because at the running back position a lot of what i base it on is just opportunity It it is just the ability to get carries and get on the field, right? And if you're, say what you will about Najee Harris, right? Like it was a rough year for him. End of the year, great. But it was a rough year for him for the most of the part. But if you're getting 55, 60% of the snaps, I don't care how explosive Jalen Warren looks. (laughs) Until he unseats you, you're the dude that I probably want to invest in because you have a higher floor. You have that that ability to, you know, I could put you in my lineup every single week and just get ten points out of you out of the RB two slot. Jalen Warren may be a guy I put in there, and yeah, he may give me fifteen or twenty. He also may give me two, <laughs> and that's not really what I'm looking for, especially at the running back position with how devalued it is. So, for me at least, first stat I look at opportunity snap share. Total number of carries, you know, how often you're on the field, and then uh, where do those carries come from, right? If you're always getting pulled off the field on third down, you better be getting goal line work, right? If you're just a between the 20s, meaning that, you know, from our 20-yard line to uh, their 20-yard line, you're our guy. Unless it's third down, then we take you off the field. And once we get in the red zone, your ass is also off the field. I really start to question whether I want you on my fantasy team. Because when it's crunch time, the NFL team doesn't even want you on the field. So
1: yeah,
0: uh, that's probably a big thing for me as far as stats go for running backs.
1: I, I mean, and I think that's where um, currently the, the new assessment for myself, for you, this has probably been the biggest change I, I'm not let me remove probably. This is the biggest change for Mike and myself since we started really diving into this, playing the game at um, you know, a lot of levels. Uh for the record, Mike, I had Cooper run some numbers this weekend. And do you know how many people are playing in on sleeper in over twenty dynasty best ball leagues? So that's what you and I both play. Right. Over they're, they're in over twenty. How many people over
0: twenty? Man, it's really caught in fire, man. I'm seeing people just begging for dynasty best ball startups left and right and just average people that you know we don't have any interaction with. Now understand, um, this is,
1: now understand real quickly though, this is 20 leagues, one manager. Over 20. I'm gonna say
0: 20's a lot. A lot for the average person.
1: I'm gonna go seven hundred. Okay. If you did minus, if you did minus one, you'd be at six ninety nine. And then if you took a whole bunch off, you'd be at seven to six so there's six people in on sleeper leagues playing in 20 different leagues only six and two of them are in this room that's what i'm that's what i'm saying right we're not in the same room but two of them are on this podcast right there's i I said that one to koopa because i know he's close but he's not there he's in like the teens or something um and i was like man that's crazy to think that there's six people mike there's six people that play in 20 leagues on sleeper now some people may play in best ball platforms elsewhere, right? It doesn't mean we're one of only six in the whole world, but when you start really putting perspective to that, the reason I'm bringing that up is like (laughs) when we started playing, we were in a bunch of leagues and now we're even in more leagues and there's not that many people playing in this many leagues. And because we play in so many leagues, a lot of what our thought changes come from is from the player side of things, right? We see things and whether our bias wants to tell us that or not, it's just, it smacks you in the face like a truck when it's just hitting you in, multiple leagues in a bad way so right our switch from the running back position which was we want to try to play up scarcity of the position and that we want to project like I want to have a, a guy that has workhorse abilities and traits that can give me like his whole rookie contract let's say four or five years chasing that was a really bad thing one, because weekly or uh, yearly, you can't project workload. You can't project who's coming to be in what situation. You can't project coaching changes, how they're going to ultimately use the back. Like DeAndre Swift is the poster child with this, right? Everybody said that he's going to be this great, amazing running back. And then what does that matter if he doesn't get the opportunities and if he's hurt and all this stuff? So now to the point you're making, <clears throat> uh, that was a long winded way of getting to the point, I guess. Sorry about that. But getting to the point is. Now the running back position for us is very much valued. This is why I think it, it has to be valued on a yearly basis. Because to project what you just talked about, opportunity, much outside of and even for a full year, like it you're you're crazy to think you can do that because it really isn't necessarily about the best running back all the time. It, it's not about what we would love to have for fantasy. It's how those teams are going to utilize them. And literally yearly, you can't project. Who the coaches are going to be? If a coach has a great year as an OC, they they leave the system to go get a head coaching job. Now that new OC vacancy has to be filled, and it could be totally different. So from this position, the the profile—it's hard to say this and be real about it. But the truth is, it it becomes the least important thing in a way. Now, if there's a tiebreaker, like if I'm just telling, if you tell me right now that a player that's a great profile versus a player that's a terrible profile are going to have very similar workload on very good offenses that are similar, of course you want the better profile. But if you chase just the profile and traits, a guy that you think can catch the ball and do do everything well, but he's only getting 45%, 50% of the work, and that offense isn't really in a lot of scoring opportunities, joke's on you. So in Dynasty, that's the biggest thing, man. It's, it's almost redraft plus at this position frankly that's really like it's a hard reality for us that it's moved drastically from where we started valuing this right there's uh there's very few young running backs you and i would
0: project for multiple years where we're like okay this feels like a safe-ish dynasty assets you know right. your Brees halls your jameer gibbs your Bijan robinson's and then outside of that it was like eh, i'm kind of good
1: right <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and, and even a guy like you know hn who we're if we, liked in spurts this year small undersized and we know the system has a big big factor in that it's not that I don't like him it's just I'm not going to project him out like I would those other three and and to to the point there's three guys that right now that I'd be willing to possibly pay more market value for that extra that extra upside that's really what you're getting with Gibbs with Bijan and with um Brees Hall is the opportunity to smash in points per game and potentially have them for longer than a year. That's what you're paying for. And those are basically the three exceptions. Everybody else is more like, what What are you going to do for me this season? That's how I'm treating that position. Right. Right. Exactly. And then it kind of sets up the point uh, just because you're
0: a rookie or whatever uh, doesn't put you in that category. Like we could use this year's class. For example, let's say hypothetically we don't get a running back until the mid to late third round of the NFL draft. And they go to a committee situation. Now, yeah. unless they absolutely just take it over and smash during the 24 season, right? If you're only playing 50% of the snaps in your rookie year and you have that draft capital, you're not going to fall into that bucket at all. <laughs> like It's just not going to happen where I go, oh, yeah, multiple years. We, we saw Damian Pierce was a fantastic story last year. Fantastic. I mean, where you drafted him for what he gave you for the 22 season was amazing. What happened this year? Devin the Devin Singletary show of all things. You're like, what? <laughs> they just
1: cast that dude aside like he was nothing. And they're like, hey, why don't you go return kicks? <laughs> yeah, and that's where, honestly, getting even in best ball, like, not as much as in lineup, but you, just getting extra pieces and shots. Right now, we, we both would admit that we would have rather had Damian Pierce than Devin Singletary going into last year, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Part of my pushback on on Damian Pierce at the slightest point, which by the way I was probably I had a consensus even on Pierce, yeah, um, was that like they just didn't bring Singletary in for no reason, almost like that annoying thing in fantasy that we don't want to be real about. Like we don't like Devin Singletary. This should be Damian Pierce's job. Well, yeah, I know I feel like that, but they just brought this kid over. They they're not probably not doing that for just you know their own health and give that guy a bunch of money and then. The crazy part was because no one valued Singletary. We also didn't really understand how good this offense was going to be. No, nobody projected this offense was going to be as efficient and good as it was with CJ Stroud and the weapons that it had. So when Singletary overtook Damian Pierce, look at the type of role he had. I mean, he, he's giving you the role that you want anybody to have in 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 the running back position in dynasty. So um, that's where especially like valuing more on a yearly basis and then kind of getting. Strengthen numbers. I hate to use that. That's the old Golden State thing. First, when they would play the Cavs a lot. Strengthen numbers, but uh, strengthen numbers. Strengthen numbers at the bottom, right? Take take some of these cheap dart throw shots. Damian Pierce or uh, you know Devin Singletary types and guys like that that can get an opportunity. Ty Chandler had his. Zamir White had his this year. You never know. It's impossible to predict who's going to get hurt, who's going to get that opportunity. So kind of having as many shots at getting it as possible uh some some i would say
0: secondary stats that i pay attention for running backs that kind of are important obviously passing game work is going to be big so how often you're on the field in third down but that kind of goes with snap share but you can throw targets and receptions and that kind of stuff in there um if you're going to look at passing game numbers when we get to the wide receivers and tight ends you know we'll kind of bring that up like what counts but for actual running backs yards at yards after contact per attempt Right, not just yards yeah. after contact. I want to know yards after contact per attempt. Kind of similar to you know big time throw percentage, turnover worthy plays. The total number is really nice, but I really want to know how many times you got the football and then how many yards you got after you got contact. Because it kind of lends me to how like how much can these guys like churn out when the first guy hits them? How many more yards are they gonna get? Like what makes a really good running back? Isaiah Pacheco type, you know. Yeah, James Conner. James Conner was a monster yards after uh yards after contact per attempt this right. year.
1: Not um, going down on that first hit. No,
0: no. Along with that, I want to know there's a, there's elusive rating. Uh player profiler has juke rate, like those those percentages, like those ratings. How how often can you make a guy miss? That's big for a running back. That's your entire job, ain't it? Right. You can find anybody just take a handoff and run up the middle for two yards and fall down. (laughs) But I want to find that guy that's going to make some dude miss, right? So that coincides with it. Also, I want to know your explosive run rate. Not just your explosive number of runs, but how, how often you were doing it. How often were you taking a carry more than 15 yards, right? And a lot of this kind of ties in. But when I look at all of this, Adam, too, a big thing that never really gets talked about is run blocking. Yes well, so how, however you want to grade it on PFF, uh, player profile that has run block rating, you can look at all of that, but I want to know how good was that offense line because there have been guys that we've seen in the past, specifically Elijah Mitchell comes to mind from a couple years ago. now he got obviously replaced by Christian McCaffrey, which is going to kill anybody <laughs> but but that was one that I always looked side at. had a great rookie year, found money, but when I looked at it, he had one of the best one of the best run block ratings in the entire league and one of the worst, like yards after contact, elusive rating, juke rate, however you wanted to look at it. So this guy was just literally getting stuff blocked up for him, take off, run, fall down. But if you're getting five, six yards a pop doing that, it looks great in the counting stats. It was great for fantasy football, yep. but that's a situation when I'm projecting for the future. I'm like, if that offensive line takes a step back at all, goes down, this is a dude whose numbers are going to fail. Right. Conversely, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you may have a running back who has a terrible run blocking rate. Like, absolutely, the offensive line was trash. But you go look at, man, he did have a great explosive run rate. He did have a great juke rate. Yards after contact is really high. That's a guy where I look at I go, if the offensive line improves, if they address it in free agency or the draft, this is a guy maybe I could buy in at a cheap discount because his counting stats looked horrible last year. So when I'm kind of evaluating running backs, that is a big piece that I'm looking at too. What'd the offensive line do? Was it a good system? <laughs> Did it fit him? Were they blocking for him or was it horrible?
1: Yeah, I mean, um the, you look uh I, it's interesting for for me anyway, one of the most important of these was that Mike uh, you had the at least it comes to mind, like Cam Akers, in the evaluation of him as a a college prospect, was playing for one of the worst offensive lines. Uh, the florida state team was god awful terrible right so like if you just looked at the raw 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 metrics you would be like this guy was terrible in college and not that he was great but you see that he did a lot with nothing in front of him the guy was constantly getting in the backfield so part of the other thing about running backs which is why the values should be the way that they are is it's it's really not a position that's all about them now you want them to be able to do those extra things but the if the offensive line is terrible, they're going to have a hard time doing anything, even if they have all the traits in the world. The one thing um, I was actually going to ask you, uh, I'd imagine PFF is maybe the best place to get it. Um, Cause I know they do do grades for this, but one thing I'm probably going to start looking at a lot more heavily. And and the reason I'm asking you is if there's any others you could think of for, I want to know you talk about the run block rating, but I want to know what they, how they grade as a pass protector, because that is the number one thing that people don't realize about what gives you really the opportunity to have a third down roll. People think, oh, you got to be able to catch passes. I mean, you don't want to put someone out there with stone hands, okay? Right? You don't want to do that. But the quickest way to not be a third down back is to not be able to pick up, you know, the blitz. And you get put on your ass in front of everybody, and the quarterback gets hit because you can't block. That right there is, like, in my opinion, the number one thing that matters to be the ability to have a third down roll. Because if, if you don't have that, it stops dead in the water right there. So um, the one difference there is that sometimes it's a, it's the running back is not a willing pass uh, protector, right? And he can learn. You can learn that. But it, it's a good starting point for me to know, are, like, do you pick up the blitz or don't you? It is a, uh,
0: it is interesting. You're right. PFF does a uh, does keep track of that, and that is a fantastic one. Like some of the best in the league outside of fullbacks, right? <laughs> the the few and the the proud, <laughs> the fullbacks. <laughs> the fullback baby. They they always hold a special place in my heart. If if you guys have ever met me, I was you know I looked like a fullback um, that just got fat and enjoyed Mountain Dew. But <laughs> once upon a time, I was in good shape and a real fullback. I was a real boy. Um, but uh, Tajay Spears stands out, highest among running backs, uh, for twenty percent of three hundred seventy-four snaps. Uh, that that's the minimum threshold I set. Uh, Derrick Henry also very good at pass blocking. Saquon Barkley, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, James Connor, Isaiah Pacheco. Like there's your list of uh, really really good pass blocking ratings. Some of the worst who are on the field a lot surprisingly. Alvin Kamara. <laughs> worst
1: mm. Mm. worst james cook Jalen warren bad the Jalen warren one is interesting to me um kamara you know the interesting part about kamara is i um it, it he's probably one of the few guys that mike i can think of that not that i haven't seen him pick up good blocks but i i wonder so much with him and this is where a lot of those catches came from and the way they're playing it's almost like when that blitz comes he just gets out of the way and you just dump it off to him and hope that he can make a screenplay happen as opposed to, so I wonder how much that plays into the grade or not. But, um, yeah, I, I know that James Cook wasn't, uh, at least from what I was hearing, wasn't necessarily the greatest, uh, like third down pass protector, but yeah, it's interesting that you said that Kamara was, uh, lower in, in the grade there. That's interesting. I wonder if you look, if you can look year to year too and see if that's like a, more of an anomaly this year, if he's actually a bad pass pro guy, because he so, he would be an outlier if he's like a really bad pass protector.
0: They had uh, 61 opportunities he had, right, uh, for either? pass protection. Yep. Uh, he allowed no sacks, which is nice, but three quarterback hits, six hurries, and nine pressures. Wow. We're attributed it. him. Uh, Jalen Warren allowed two sacks, two quarterback hits, six hurries, and ten pressures.
1: So... hmm I mean, and say what you want about Jalen warren he's very shifty great but he's he's really not the biggest stature guy too and sometimes if he's getting a getting get a, a blitz in a blitz package right he's get a huge lineman or linebacker on him It's not gonna be much he's gonna be able to do was there anything
0: else other than uh pass blocking that kind of stood out for your running backs any other stats that you're like okay now you got um, my attention
1: i mean i i would say this too like so you start looking at like some of the advanced efficiency numbers for running backs. Right. And this is where I was um, a little more bullish on Jerome Ford. Once Nick Chubb went down than some people were like, even when Kareem hunt came back was um, like breakaway run, breakaway run rate. And just really understanding that when you really look at those type of numbers and you see, you can start to look at other metrics to have an idea of who that, if they don't have much opportunity, like can they basically take the top off? And the reality is, there's a lot of running backs that can between the 20s, like you talk about how that's not the best, that's not the most valuable touch. Kareem Hunt can get a bunch of that work, and he's not at this age anymore going to be someone that's going to get to the sideline and take one all the way to the house. I mean, that was really never his trait from the beginning. He did have some of those early in his career at Kansas City, but he's gonna be, you know, an efficient runner, but he's when he's not gonna run away from the whole field. Jerome Ford has that ability to take one play and make it that much more important. So, for example, like, you're going to see, I'm sure, Devon A-Chain kills that stat. And the reason I pay attention to that is if I'm in this position where I'm evaluating, obviously, we want opportunity, right? That's the most important thing. But if I'm now saying I think you have opportunity, and I'm looking for a tiebreaker for who can actually make this opportunity the most packed punch, right? Like, breakaway run rate and uh, breakaway runs, like how much you're able to do that, it basically shows – you can take a a, a a hole that's that's given to you and make a five-yard run a touchdown. That is massive in fantasy football. I think that's one of the biggest things from the running back position to look at.
0: I like that. All right, let's move on to tight ends and wide receivers. Now tight ends, there's only like a handful of things that I actually care about different than wide receivers that don't apply but in general when i'm looking at them i used to be pretty big on like slot percentage how often they were used in the slot right yeah um Mm -hmm. i can summarize this though my change has been you know pretty much since justin jefferson entered the league i don't really care if you played in the slot a lot in college doesn't really matter to me what i do care though if you have let's say a 90 95 slot usage in college what did you do with the percentage that wasn't in the slot? Did you win outside at all? And if you showed any iota or ability to win outside, the NFL is going to find a spot for you. Now, if you take like one of these, uh, no offense, he used to play at Iowa, and I love the guy, but if you take one of these Charlie Jones types, <laughs> right, where it's like all slot all the time, and then couldn't win outside ever just because of the stature, didn't have the ability to separate, you know, wasn't running routes against linebackers or safeties, then I have some concerns, right? But uh, Mm -hmm. CeeDee Lamb, you know, that was a knock against him for the longest time. Like, he's only really good in the slot. Who cares? (laughs) Scores fantasy points, don't it? Aminra,
1: scores fantasy points. Think about that. Justin Jefferson, there was a debate, believe it or not, and why he went in the late first round was maybe he just runs out of the slot really well. That's all he can do, right? Wild to think that. (laughs)
0: So I don't really care about the snaps from the slap, but similar to running backs, it's, it's with any skill position. I do care about your snap percentages, uh, tight ends. Specifically, we can talk about uh, one of our biggest fades this year was uh, Like I love the talent. I love some of the stuff I saw. But, Adam, you pointed it out early in the process uh, for evaluating for this year. Why is this dude only on the field 50% of the time, right? And that will kind of lead into a tight end-specific one. Not the greatest blocker. And if you're not the greatest blocker you're just kind of that big slot move tight end teams aren't gonna put you on the field which listen some guys can do it on very low efficiency but those guys are unicorns like most people we play a volume game uh similar to running backs so if your tight ends only out there for half the game half the offensive snaps big red flag to me uh good catch on you for that one too so Pretty uh easily to fade Chig this year, get off of them, trade them while his value is high. And I think you and I are both like, oh, thank God we got that done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only thing that isn't, you know what's crazy? Um, like what I've noticed, the more I've been, I still don't post a lot on there, but I've been trying to just be a little more aware of it and pay attention to it. And X is this toxic place a lot of times where it's like, it's not always this way, but it can be very toxic where people are just, they want to just give you negative criticism. So like you know you, you think about posts and I had a post which uh basically said to get off of a guy like chick and we, we had long conversations in certain AMAs that we had um, actually when I was on vacation and, and I remember specifically talking about it a lot of those comments like oh chick's going to be the next it and all that and then then once you it actually you you prove everybody that that's the case like basically what I'm trying to get at is when I miss people are going to keep coming at me and telling me that I did terrible but when when i get one right those pe- those people go so quiet and i can't go back at them and say hey where's your chig love at like it's just a it's a one way street of you get to hear about what you did wrong and then you, the stuff you get right like nobody cares like ah oh, that's it's that was last year man no one's <laughs> talking about that anymore Come on. The, they
0: they hate too like they hold they, they love to troll but when you troll them back like apparently we're held to a higher standard very, i guess very much so right
1: this is you know
0: for, if it's me i don't care i still troll
1: <laughs> Higher standard, my ass. You're supposed to just stand up on stage and, you know, take the food that's getting thrown at you and then just <laughs> nah. sit up there, you know? Uh,
0: a really good one, and you'll see uh, yards per route run is a very good stat to look at for wide receivers or tight ends. One of the biggest ones. Huge, huge. And, you know, your your who's who of good wide receivers are going to rank towards the top. Right, <laughs> Tyreek, Nico, Jefferson, Ayuk, Puka, CeeDee Lamb, Rod, Waddle. AJ Brown, Debo,
1: right? Very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's interesting because th- this, what makes it kind of hard at times is to the point you're talking about, like, with snap percentages and where it's, that one could be so big, right? The snap percentages basically said that, like, Che wasn't being used, like, in every down tight end. Now, so on the tight end side, I really pay attention to that. And I do pay attention to it a lot on the receiver side, and I think it matters. Now, it's, it's interesting because it brings up guys that Mike, sometimes I'll end up being bullish on and I still like, I'm kind of, I'm more aware now by paying attention to all these uh, metrics that if I miss, I'll know what I missed on and maybe I'll pay more and more attention to it and start uh, prioritizing it more. But like a guy like Jaden Reed, who I love, he's, he's one of the perfect examples of this at the receiver position. He was unbelievable on his opportunity basis. Like Jaden Reed was great this year when given opportunity, but you know what? He basically only played in the slot for the most part. Not saying he didn't play outside ever, but he was a slot receiver. He would never, he would never command other people coming off the field unless there was a package with three or more receivers typically. And because of that, it's like, okay, if this guy is able to be put on the outside and succeed out there, the ceiling, who knows what it could be with his efficiency type numbers and how good he is and how much we like him as a prospect. But can we confidently project that he's going to do that? I'd I'd like to say yes, but I really can't. And if he ends up only staying at that 60% range, as great as he is, it's hard to overcome those type of percentages. Even if you are great, like you look at what happened this year, He, he made unbelievable plays time and time again. And it's just hard to do that on a consistent basis when you're, going up against guys that are playing 85 95 percent of the snaps right um when you're playing yeah. 60 that's that's so Jaden reed for me is a guy that i'm drafting just took him in the startup we weren't together but he's kind of a he fits the bill for me of I, be, I believe i believe he can overcome it but i know that that is what could hold him back and where i could look back and like man i, I saw that and i still drafted him anyway you know because he's getting to that point where it's yeah. a little different for him in price, right? He's a top, he's inside the top thirty now, pretty much consensus.
0: Yeah, the there's a lot of people who have questions, like the the one hundred eight or the one hundred nine or Jaden Reed. Mm-hmm. Which do you want? Right? Yeah, and it's a tough one to answer. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a tough one. It really is. It's a tough one. I, uh, like. I freeze up. <laughs> I don't know. I know, man. I know. I uh, mean, so it's. I, I, I think sometimes, even when you start looking, we can keep talking because there's other things that are important um, to look at. But I think sometimes understanding that this, it it's going to give you more awareness, I think, is the most important thing. It isn't always going to be the, the cleanest of answers, right? It's not always going to be here. You, this is a crystal ball that you know what's going to happen. But right. you at least are going to have a better understanding of what you're going into. And like that's a that was a pretty good example, I think, of the snap share for the receiver position. So I wanted to highlight that one. A lot of it it, it feels like algebra, don't it? Just evaluating <laughs>
0: players, right? Yes, and you have a lot of variables that you don't know. Some of these stats, some of the uh, the metrics that you give, uh, you're listening on a great feed here too, Campus mm-hmm. to the Canton. They're they're advanced data tools. They're plot graphs for college players for nfl players is phenomenal so just a reminder pro, promo code south arm get you 10 percent off <laughs> go sign up but i love using their plot graphs uh i was going back through you know you, you mentioned wins where nobody like really gives you your, your kudos for it now i've gotten a few for it but uh you know in 22 i posted uh, a plot graph from campus to canton.com of sam laporta and how he was so good he broke the damn scale on that plot graph like you couldn't even see him he was so damn high you had to zoom out <laughs> he, he really did too it's ca- it's kind of crazy when you say that it's absolutely crazy but uh another stat i really like to look at i don't know how much it like factors into success right this is a question for one of the more uh, uh enlightened analytical people uh is is a dot now there are some mm-hmm. things that when i look at it concern me i love rishi rice to death but on uh, people who got twenty percent of one hundred and ninety-seven targets as a qualifier,
1: yeah. dead last, in you, average steps to target. <laughs> you, you know what's crazy though? God, let me, let me let you finish. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going.
0: It's it, I I love him to death, but when you look at it, like I do, have some concerns because he's around names like Wando Robinson, Rondell Moore. Um, you know, like two guys that were kind of just writing off now. Wando it probably still has some like um truthers. Yeah, and I would say even I'm a little bit yeah. Yeah. uh, Even I'm a little bit intrigued. Rondale, on the other hand, you're like this dude just runs bubble screens and like short crossers, and this Mm -hmm. is it. (laughs) This is this is all he does. Now, when it's a rookie like Rasheed Rice, instead of these guys who are you know second year or third year players, um, maybe you lend a little bit more. Like, hey, that's what he was asked to do his rookie year. Maybe his route tree expands. You can talk yourself into a world of, of scenarios, but when you look at stuff like that. You don't really want to pigeonhole him because also Debo Samuel, we know for fantasy purposes is absolutely fantastic. Doesn't have the most glowing average depth of target stat either. <laughs>
1: Correct. <Right? laughs> Correct. I mean, the, the the thing I look at Mike with this, right. And you can kind of, this, I think is where some stuff is not just like, I think one of the harder things to do is understand the stats Right. So understand what stats are important. We're talking basically right now about what metrics we think are highly correlative to fantasy success or what we pay attention to that, that, yields results there. So like, it's kind of like the combination of looking at those box stats and then also like combining visuals on the field, I think in the, in giving yourself the context and the story that makes it worth betting or not. Right. And that's ultimately yeah. what we're kind of doing and. I think when you look at it, there's a couple things that really come to mind for me. One, <clears throat> like when you compare R- Rashi rice to uh, other guys in this range, uh, like, like Wandale, for example, right now, Rashi really is like, you're talking about his adot's dots very low. So just before I get into the story of why I think that is something I'm not as concerned with, like I'll just comparatively to some of the other stats to see where the difference is. Right. First of all, like he's drawing a lot of red zone targets and, when you have Travis Kelsey on your team and you're still drawing a lot of red zone targets, that's something I pay a lot of attention to because that's great. There's also when you look at the, uh, the fantasy points per route run, right? Very, very high. And um, I think that the other stats you're going to look at here um, that are going to be good, catchable target rate, target accuracy. Those are all going to be saying that it's, he's got Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Like that we can kind of just skip past those. And then the reason I think the A dot then becomes not as relevant. And when you think about what's happened this year in the NFL, this is uh, hard to know this if you don't watch a lot, or we talked about it on a 4D one. But to give context, the NFL right now, quarterback scoring as a whole is down. Okay. And the NFL is running a ton. The most, it's basically the heaviest it's ever done. zone coverages like you know starting with cover two where basically you have two guys over the middle of the field trying to take away the long pass and then you can get into cover three cover four all different types of zone coverages the idea behind that is basically and, and, and i'll be honest i think patrick mahomes is the primary example of why this has happened right the idea is we're gonna make patrick mahomes we're gonna irritate him we're gonna make him make the right play the whole way down the field as opposed to getting beat like when they when he had tyree kill like We don't want to just keep giving this guy a chance to break us in one play. We want to make him work tirelessly at this. Hand it off to Pacheco. Long, sustained drives where you have to block, not make penalties, sustained drives, and score touchdowns. Because of that and all the zone coverage, I think that the, the A dot while you'd like to see it go up, it's more of an idea of Mahomes knows right now his weapons are bad. Sometimes the best thing to do is, here, let's just get it to Rashi right now. And if he's open, I'm going to get it to him. So I agree with you for the record. Like it's, I would love to see that higher. He's, I think, actually, I don't have to think it's number. He's 99 in the NFL and a dot. So average depth <laughs> of target is, that's <laughs> not good. Okay. But like, I think when you put a lot of the context between them together and give yourself the story and who's throwing to him, like, I still am very much willing to buy into it. So I guess that's a, I don't want to take the show over, but you know, trying to, Sometimes it's it's utilizing all this stuff in unison is hard, but that's kind of why I do it with like that's the way I look at it with Rasheed Rice.
0: No, I love it too, and I was going to add to it uh, another point of the uh, the pieces that are like put together right. Uh, eight out of right? Yards per route run actually pretty good. Um, and then the thing that stands out to me, number two, in yards a- after catch per reception. Yeah. So, yep. so why he may be getting short targets, similar to Debo. He does a lot with them, right, and at a very high clip, which leads his overall yards for route run, his yards after the catch. All those metrics look really good. So that's kind of like the puzzle pieces where, conversely, if I go to look at uh, Wandale, right, like I said, he's he's neck and neck with Wandale for bad ADOT. Right. Uh, yards after catch for reception for Wandale is, you know, almost three yards lower.
1: It's nowhere right? near as high. And His he, yards
0: per route run is is one point two yards lower, exactly <laughs> per reception. It, it's, it's in that crazy. red
1: in that red zone targets I was talking about, and then relative also to like you just think of target accuracy, all that stuff is going to come down because even if Danny Dimes takes a step forward again next year, it's it's not Mahomes. So, yeah, right to that point.
0: Um, some of the other things there, there's some that are kind of ancillary that I don't really look too much into, but I will look at your contested catch percentage. Um, you know, how often can you actually come down with the 50, 50 balls? Um, in the NFL, it's a lot closer. I will say in college, it's a little bit more of a red flag if you're not actually winning jump balls in college, but two, Very we funny. have to remember that, um, like Cortland Sutton there, I'll use him as an example, not the greatest separator pre ACL injury. And he didn't have the greatest, uh, definitely not this version of Drew Locke we saw in the, the Philly win. Come from behind, right? right? We saw a more immature, sporadic. uh Like the, probably the safest place to be if Drew Lock was going to throw a football at you is actually right in front of him. <laughs> you know? right. So, right. so like when your contested catch percentage is really low, sometimes even though you're a big body dude, you kind of look at it a little side eyed. But then you have to take, like you said, with everything else we do the whole context in like who's throwing the football, right? Like how hard are these contested catches? Are they Calvin Johnson with three dudes draped over them? <laughs> right? Like if you don't bring a lot of those down, I'm not going to knock you, <laughs> right? Your quarterback just chucked it up and prayed. <laughs> Good luck. So not as big of a stat that I look
1: at, but it is something that I still just kind of monitor as a just uh
0: Oh, okay. Well, that was, that was interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of, I'll say uh, that one still is one I, I look at. I like um, it's how do I word this? Oh, okay. The way I best, I would best try to word this or how I like uh, put it into my process or how much I care. Like if your contested catch rate is really, really high and you're not, I, I I'm probably not going to bet on somebody that is singularly a separator in that way. Like I'm not going to bet on somebody in this NFL today. Um, that their their calling card is only contested catch rate, right? They're basically like a go get it ball. However, if you're checking a lot of the other boxes and you have a very good contested catch rate, I think it's one of those tiebreakers where, Oh, this guy could like really make a jump seismically. Right. And if, the, if you get a good, if he gets drafted by a team with a quarterback that can throw the ball, like Russell Wilson could this year, like Patrick Mahomes, where you can put the ball in an opportunity that only your guy can go get it. It can kind of make a wide receiver 3-2 into a wide receiver 1. So it's a trade I want, but it's not like a, a solely what I'm going to care about, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Tyreek
0: Hill, best in yards per route run. We know how great of a season was. Only a 30% contested catch guy. But that's a dude who's five, nine, right? That's it out of his game.
1: Right. His contested catches, Mike, are not going to be the, like, you don't throw a fade, Tyreek Hill. His contested <laughs> catches are honestly, they're going to be like in the way where you just throw the ball and the guy is probably draped around him in some way you know and he still makes the catch it's not like but to your point that's not something when you look at a guy like tyree kill you should say oh man like he's contested catch rates really bad i should probably stay away from him that's that's not really his game you know what i mean yeah yeah
0: i'm with you um yeah i did people used to focus on drops i don't really care um total drops especially you drop percentage maybe i care a little bit but
1: if you're getting hyper targeted like there's going to be a lot of opportunities for drops. The most sure-handed guys in the NFL a lot of times will end up being on the highest drops if you just look at raw numbers of drops. That's one other one where it's like you can look at the wrong things. Oh, man, he's dropping. You know what? Deontay Johnson had one of the worst case of drops that I can actually remember in the NFL history uh, a few years back. Do you know what happened? The very next year, he was wide receiver eight. Because guess what he kept doing? getting hyper targeted -targeted. so a lot of times the reason those drops are happening is the targets are coming in high volume and you know what everybody does in the nfl the receivers get knocked for it the most because what happens in the nfl everybody is supposed to be on the same page and do everything in unison for one common goal so if at the end if the play results at the end with a drop oh man you can't believe that but everybody has penalties. Everybody makes mistakes. Every, every quarterback throws the ball, you know, to someone they shouldn't interception. There's fumbles that happen for the most sure-handed running back. So that one is honestly not one that I, um I really care about either the raw number. Like if the percentage is crazy high, but even then, Mike, the only way I care is if like Deontay was one of the reasons I brought that example up is where you could start to care because why he got pulled off the field some for it when he was having those drops. If you're not getting pulled off the field and targets are going to keep coming your way, go ahead and drop that ball when you have to, man. Like I want you to catch it, but it's not going to matter for fantasy purposes, I guess. The NFL, it's going to really hurt your team when you drop third downs and you have to punt, but different story in fantasy.
0: According to PFF, the two receivers with the most drops this year, Puka and Tyreek.
1: Yeah, I was going to say they're two of the best, I remember. And Wasn't CD kind of high on that list? Uh, They didn't credit him with too many. Okay, actually, I'm, he's pretty far down here. May, all right, good. Maybe maybe he had a good one this year. I thought it, maybe it was two years ago. Or, uh, not Koopa. Gosh, um, Fizzle, If you're hearing this, cover your ears. All right, slander.
0: <laughs> yeah, Devontae Adams, JSN, Mike Evans, Stefan Diggs. Right, your next ones.
1: By the way, um, Devontae Adams commonly said one of the best hand, pair of hands in football. It's, right, they, they drop passes, man. They're human. As far as percentage goes, I mean Puka was was hyper targeted, but still led the league in drop percentage, drop
0: percentage. right at ten yeah. percent. Yeah, right. Jalen Waddle, Calvin Ridley, DK, Mike Evans,
1: Adams, all pretty good at football.
0: <laughs> it's gonna happen. You so can see, I don't. I don't you, put too you, much stock in it.
1: You can think of for all those players, catches they've made, which like signify to you, oh my gosh, like amazing hands and unbelievable co- concentration, but. They're they they're all human. I think that's all that, that stat means. I don't I really don't put too much stock into that stat. If you if you want to do your homework and show me areas where I'm wrong, please do. But this has been one I paid attention to over the years and found out it at least for me, that doesn't mean that much.
0: Yep. And then uh for tight ends, like I said, uh I touched on the ones your snap percentage is huge, just kinda like with uh mm-hmm. with all the other skill positions, but especially important Adam. But to to correlate with it, what's your run block rate? What's your run block grade on PFF, uh, you know, player profiler, whatever, whatever advanced data you want to use. Can you run block hmm. now? Some of it, right. Uh, we saw this and it's very rare. It's very rare. Like the, the Zach Ertz Dallas Goddard of five years ago. Right. One of the biggest knocks I always had against Dallas Goddard was he was such a damn good run blocker. When there's another tight end who's just as equally good in the passing game, he's going out. To, he's going out to run the route, and Dallas who, Goddard's going to be kept
1: in blocking. Yeah. Who do you, who thinks Ass is staying in to help with pass protection or run blocking? It's, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be you. We need Dallas being the next to right or left tackle, man. Come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but if you're a really good run blocker and you're uh, actually out there running routes, so uh, another stat to kind of look at for uh for uh, tight ends at least how i look at it is route participation so that's kind of going to be a telling one because there are guys who will play a ton of snaps right they might play 60 70 percent of the t- snaps at tight end but then you go and you look at the route participation isn't the highest right <laughs> ranks at the bottom half it's because they're leaving them in chip block you know one-on-one i don't, it's still while you have premier pass rushers and you 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 let them uh be blocked one-on-one with your tight end it's still beyond me but hey you know, NFL coach is going to do NFL things <laughs> of like, uh, why <laughs> you have a left tackle or a right tackle for a reason, man. Yeah.
1: It's, it's kind of like in the NBA, like I, I I would equate it to, all right, a guy may get screen on a ball screen and you may switch and you get a really bad matchup, but you're not just going to put early on, you know, one of your worst defenders on a great offensive player. They're going to have to, they're going to have to screen or do something like you just put on an Island, your tight end with, the. You know, Miles Garrett, I mean, in no world is that going to go
0: well. So just uh, we'll leave you with a few nuggets here at the tight end position if you're doing some uh, some tie-breaking, but the best run blockers, according to PFF, who 50% of uh, 463 run-blocking snaps. George Kittle, University of Iowa. <laughs> Imagine that, number one. Josh Oliver. Uh, which might actually bode pretty well. I did an episode where I talked about selling TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I'm going to try to get a lot of Josh Oliver just
1: as a free toss in. Guess who has a lot everyone. of Josh Oliver? You? Oh, yeah. My he's man. one of those He's one of those guys that I just was like holding on to for dear life and like these best ball 35 or bigger rosters. Uh, Dallas Goddard, of course. We mentioned him earlier. Trey McBride, very, yeah. very high. <clears throat> well, and, and – and... I was actually going to say, um, go ahead and finish the list, I'll, and I'll tell you the reason I think it's important. Uh, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson, Dalton Kincaid. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So, those are your guys when you look at tight end, you know, if you want to do some differentiating, right? Those guys who wreck really high in run blocking according to PFF, uh, you know, might want to boost them up or use it as a tiebreaker if you're going between a few different prospects.
1: Yeah. And I mean, to give you like the, the, the background story, <clears throat> in a nutshell to think about this, right? The reason the tight end snap percentage is, is important is okay. If you're looking at a guy that is doing well in fantasy and the snap percentage is low, <clears throat> typically what that's going to mean is they're an athlete or they're, they they have traits and capabilities to make plays with the football. Okay. Um, and if that's the case, but the snap percentage is low, what that's probably telling you is that the coach doesn't feel comfortable Leaving them in on plays where they can they're gonna have to really be blocking to Mike's point the run block. So if they don't feel comfortable in that, <clears throat> they're they're not gonna want to put them in a bunch of situations where they have to pass protect or they have to run block, right? So you know what ends up happening there is the defense, because right now the NFL, this is the this is one of the perfect times to talk about this. The NFL has a two week break before the Super Bowl. Do you know why the NFL has a two-week break before the Super Bowl and to let people get healthy in that? But you know what's going to happen? They're going to watch an extra week of film. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you have film, you're going to see, you know, oh, every time this 85, this Chig guy goes out there, it seems like they're throwing the ball. No? You start, tipp- <laughs> you start tipping your hat, and coaches don't yep. like to do that. And the reason that's important is then they're not going to be someone that can get to that. Now, when you start getting the Trey McBrides, you didn't mention his name, but I know he's a good run, uh, run, run blocker and pass blocker. And so Sam Laporta, right? Like those guys, when you have the traits to be a very good tight end as far as athleticism and what we are looking for, and you can be on the field for the whole time, that those are the guys that can break fantasy. Kittle did it for years. Uh, Kelsey was a good blocker. If you want to make that jump, and that's the way to do it. And the way that you're not going to do it and kind of get left in the middle. And not be able, to, if you're only out, out in the field for 50-60% of snaps, because the they can't trust you to run block. So, um, that's that's things to keep in mind. Also for Dalton Kincaid, him being on that list is a very good thing for him. Very good thing for him. For a guy that was considered a little hybridy, right? right? Bodes, bodes very well for him. Bodes very well
0: for him to be on there. So, uh, yeah. I really, I really do enjoy. it. The funny thing you mentioned about Sam Laporta is uh, left tackle Darnell Washington. Sam Laporta was better in
1: run blocking grades. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, that Darnell Washington can he can move a sled, but apparently not as di- a little different when it's a real human, you know. And we just build them differently here in Iowa. So, uh, uh, everybody get ready for twenty twenty five and Luke Lachey. All right, there's I'll a let reason. you know now. There's a reason that tight end you back there doesn't even have the best tight ends right now out of the game. Because it was made before that. Not yet. We'll get that up. We'll get that updated at some oh, point. Yeah, don't worry. Well to, we, I think we may have to take Noah Fant off of there, buddy. You know, he had his chance.
0: Well, I was good to touch on Noah Fant too, just an extra nugget. <laughs> He's a good guy. Uh, he didn't he didn't hit the qualifier because he wasn't in on enough snaps just because of the way Seattle had that three-way thing. But if you go down to 20% as the filter. Noah Fant actually graded out pretty well as a run blocker. So interesting if you interesting to see if he would move on in this offseason into a team that would put him on the field more because the advanced data shows that hey, maybe he's not so bad at run blocking. So he, might get I, on the field on a new team a little bit more.
1: He he kind of fits this this bill for me of um we got tired of him, but could come back. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call my shot and say that it's going to happen, but it could be the Evan Ingram type. David and Joku type David where we Joku, yeah. lost the, we lost the fervor, and then holy crap, he's back!
0: <laughs> look at him, he's back! Look at him go! Hey, just in a, a couple more years,
1: you can do the same thing with Kyle Pitts, man. <laughs> Too soon, Mike. Too soon. Oh, sorry, My bad. <laughs> people don't want to hear bad. that. It's a terrible way.
0: <laughs> well, well truth, appreciate though. every appreciate everybody tapping in. That was just a, a quick uh, insight, I guess, on what we look at, and like like I said at the uh, the start, there. There are much better data people out there um you know there's a reason that we hired dynasty berry at south armon to do our data there's a reason that campus can has the best tools because really smart people do those and uh adam and i we we know our lane but just when i'm quick evaluating uh just the uh the crash course and what stats actually matter that's what i'm looking at that's the ones that i'm on. so at least if you you got into a, a discord argument with me and tried to hit me with uh you know yards per attempt for quarterback there's a reason why i tell you i don't care <laughs> you keep that stat. it doesn't mean anything to me now if you hit me with a great one like hey look so-and-so's like got a great big time throw percentage and a really low turnover worthy play i'm like all right I'll perk up i'm interested to talk to me <laughs> talk Here's to me. wide ears are wide open <laughs> well thank you everybody for tapping in that'll do it for us we'll see you back here same time same place next week for episode 23 of Canton bound love y'all got this thing Peace. Peace.